Hi folks, Neil here. We want to help answer all your questions about London. That's why you can listen to this guide in the Circa app for iPhone and get all the show notes, pictures, maps, and links you need to find everything we tell you about in this London guide. Best of all, in the Circa app, you can message a Circa concierge. You can get any question about London answered by real people right here. The latest galleries, West End shows, how to do the big attractions right, how to use the tube, where to find an absolutely beautiful Sunday roast right now. We are giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, no AI ever. And for a limited time, it's completely free. The Circa Travel app is available in the App Store right now or at circatravel.com. Welcome to Circa's Strut Here episode of our London Guide. In this episode, we'll be strutting our stuff down London's hippest roads, streets and passages to discover the city's world-class shopping credentials and the glamorous history of the fashion scene here. If you're feeling flushed, the shopping here is insane. And if you know where to go, it can be a bargain too. We'll get to that in a bit. As always, there'll be maps, notes and info on the places mentioned in this guide in the Circa app. Subscribe to Circa for instant access to all of it. So sit back, put your headphones on. Let's strut the streets of the UK capital. Circa. Love the world you live in and we'll help you explore it. Heads up, if you're new to London, this city is one of the best in the world to enjoy some fabulous fashion. And we're not just talking about the clothes. But we will start with your threads. I once saw a guy walking down Oxford Street in central London in a pink Scottish kilt with two latex rubber bondage gloves up to his elbows. Walking just behind him, a bunch of girls in baby doll dresses, bell-bottoms, leather waistcoats. Then, a gent, dapper as hell in a two-piece suit with a Gucci man bag. None of them looked out of place. No one batted an eyelid. It explains why London continues to be top for clothes lovers. It's a giant dressing-up box, and no look is off-limits. In this episode, I'm going to tell you a bit about how London style became London fashion. Unlike the chic tailoring in Paris or Milan's old-school sex appeal, London's fashion is usually more fearless, more imaginative. It manages to poke fun at itself and it keeps it classy, quirky and non-conformist, usually at the same time. If all this feels a bit out of reach for you and your wardrobe, I assure you it's not. London style is still super accessible and affordable if you know where to go. Whatever your level of cash splashery, bring stamina, comfy shoes and someone who will never tell you the truth if you ask, does my bum look big in this? London's sartorial DNA. 
The fashion here reflects the city's pace and personality. Fun, fast, and as diverse as the cultures and communities that live here. But the fashion industry is far from frivolous. It's a major player in the city's creative arts sector and generates billions each year for the UK economy. Then there's London Fashion Week, the youngest of the big four global fashion events. The other three, of course, are Paris, Milan and New York. Each February and September, the world's fashion elite flock for more than 250 shows that you'll find inside every kind of weird and wonderful venue in the capital. This main event for fashion actually started in a small tent in an abandoned car park in 1984. But today, shows are full-on extravagance. Think runways constructed inside Kew Gardens' tropical greenhouses or former Eurostar terminals, or the opulent banqueting room at Whitehall. And the Zaha Hadid designed London Aquatic Centre in East London's Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in Stratford. Whether you're lucky enough to bag a ticket or not, there's plenty of ways you can get in on the Fashion Week Act. No A-list status required. The British Fashion Council has launched the limited edition London Experience. It's a curated selection of London's top fashion brands creating one-off events, activities and fashion that can only be purchased and experienced in person. From global pop-up cocktail launches to graduate exhibitions, you can get in on the act without needing to fake it as a fashion editor. Just find something that appeals to you on the London Fashion Week website and RSVP. We've linked you in the notes. Historically, London's fashion creds were a class-based affair and only for the wealthy elite, royalty, heads of state, aristocrats and nobles. Then the 1800s brought a major demand for sartorial tailoring, especially from key military leaders like Napoleon Bonaparte and Horatio Nelson during the French Revolution. In a short time, it set the wheels in motion for the mass production of impeccable threads. Today, London's fashion has morphed into a far more democratic affair. From the top down to the ground up, both students and superstars set trends that the rest of the global style pack follow. Now, let's head to Mayfair in London's city of Westminster. We're going to take a saunter down Savile Row, home to a certain kind of sartorial styling you won't find anywhere else in the world. The Rose sartorial following has won over the likes of Charlie Chaplin, Will Smith, Tom Cruise and George Clooney, as well as countless other Hollywood elite. For 200 years, it's played a major part in influencing how men dress globally. And it's the only street in the world that's synonymous with one form of clothing. Initially, Savile Row attracted military officers, aristocrats and politicians for the kind of clothes and tailoring that matched their status. We're talking post-Napoleonic wartime. Around the early 1800s, right before this street became the epicentre of men's sartorial style in Europe. Ogle the suits from the economic safety of the pavement, or tap up your credit card and get measured for a two-piece suit that's fit for royalty. Or James Bond. So, which tailors would we send you to? 
Henry Poole & Co. opened in 1846 and is considered the sartorial godfather of Savile Row. For around 3.5K, Poole's team of discreet tailors will begin a nine-step bespoke process to make you your own two-piece suit. For the budget-conscious, fear not. The Rose sharpened up its act on ready-to-wear and more affordable services without scrimping on the English heritage and the tailoring that makes this street so special. These legendary houses of tailoring on Savile Row set the fashion pace in London from the 1800s onward, with sharp cuts and conservative suits, owning a corner of the style world that was decidedly, well, English. After this point, London's love of fashion expanded, thanks to the many materials and dyes that were imported on boats from all corners of the British Empire. This, along with the popularisation of the home sewing machine, allowed for more freedom and bolder clothing designs in the post-Victorian period. And so it went, with more tailored clothing proving the norm for men and women, until the glamour of the 20s and 30s, when shapes became slinkier and fabrics softer. Suits for men remained. The subsequent world wars saw a return to functional silhouettes and practical military apparel. But a sneaky pencil skirt crept in, and women's cinched waists started showing off the female form. And then, before we knew it, the swinging 60s arrived. Swinging 60s, from King's Road to Carnaby Street. What happens when you combine an anti-nuclear movement, a sexual revolution, the Equal Pay Act and a new music scene led by testosterone fueled rockers? You have a city on fire and a city in lust. The Beatles, The Who, The Kinks, The Rolling Stones. They provided the soundtrack for a social and cultural paradigm shift that was sexier, punkier and riskier. Of course, fashion followed suit, and it kicked things off in style in Chelsea on the King's Road. This famous street used to be a private road for Charles II, but today it's a popular public thoroughfare full of well-heeled Londoners enjoying a little retail therapy. Be warned, you don't stroll here, you strut. In 1955, self-taught fashion designer Mary Quant landed here. In the aftermath of the war, Quant used fashion to manifest new attitudes, ideas and ambitions amongst a new wave of youth who fell in love with her ideas as much as her affordable designs. Brit-born Quant ripped up the fashion rules and played with simple clean lines and a boyish aesthetic influenced by emerging American pop artists like Andy Warhol, as well as local beatnik Chelsea artists and dancers. Even though she was best known for creating the miniskirt, Really, she was a game-changer for how British fashion lovers shopped, full stop. Take Mary's first shop, Bazaar, at 138A Kings Road. It had a cafe in the basement and was a place for drinks and conversation. When the designer decided to put upside-down mannequins in her shop window, there was nothing random about it. She did it deliberately so that Mary could get passers-by to stop and look. Quant wanted to shock people, and she did. 
Sadly, I can't point you to the shop because it's no longer there. But Quant's legacy lives on in the Museum of London. Some of her classic outfits are encased in a permanent World City exhibition, which documents the massive social, sexual and cultural liberation of the 60s and the 70s. The King's Road still delivers luxury shopping and top British designers, as well as free events during London Fashion Week, thanks again to the British Fashion Council. Further down the road, at 430, is World's End. This deserves a visit and an explanation. World's End has changed names and decor as much as the owner's passions and political commentary. It's the original boutique of Brit designer and godmother of punk, Dame Vivian Westwood. She's a household name in the UK and one of the most rebellious names in Brit fashion. I mean, she collected her OBE and DBE, the highest awards you can receive from the Queen in service to British fashion, in her underwear. And then she flashed her bum for the cameras. Dame Vivian's shop was a kind of ground zero for the socio-economic rebellion of the 70s and 80s. It started with the name Let It Rock in 71, then was later renamed as Sex, think plenty of fetish leathers and rubber clothing. Thanks in part to Westwood's influence, fashion during the 70s started to become more political and more provocative. Today, the shop is called World's End. Get your hands on Westwood's signature pirate ankle boots for £460, or tartan corsets with kittens for a mere £700, or even a climate crisis statement tee for £150. And you might bump into Helena Bonham Carter or the supermodel Kate Moss on your way out. Another part of town known for its famous style and fashion credentials is Carnaby Street in Soho. A stone's throw from Oxford Circus Tube Station, this was another fashion hotspot in the capital where music, sexual liberation and fashion all mingled together in vibrant clashes of colour, new cultures, exciting new music and a rebellious identity. Today, it's still buzzing and there's over 100 shops and 60 standout restaurants to tempt you. But it was the 60s where Carnaby really exploded and became known as the place for colour, culture, music and style, the kind that's still evident today. Albeit without the anarchistic punk rockers strutting their stuff quite as often as a few decades back. Also worth noting, it's not just Carnaby Street itself that deserves a visit. It's also the 14 different side streets full of smaller independent boutiques that you'll probably want to spend some time getting lost in. Don't know where to start? Here's some pointers to help you out. Start off at Liars and Lovers, an independent British jewellery boutique known for striking, playful pieces made from pearls, crystals, wood and rhinestones. They've got an ear-piercing studio on site too, in case you feel like channeling a little punk rock on your visit. And I can't talk about the best of British and punk fashion without giving a shout-out to Dr Martin's footwear store at number 48. It's tucked behind Kingley Court. 
Dr. Martens got popular around the same time as London's rising punk movement in the 60s. They came back into fashion again in the 90s, when the signature cherry red boot and trademark yellow stitching was seen on every goth punk musician or model. You can grab a pair too for about £150. Ready for a pit stop? Carnaby Street has some impressive options for gourmet food on the go. And most of them are housed in Kingley Court, accessed through an archway about halfway down Carnaby Street. It's a three-floor food mecca with 21 different restaurants and every kind of dining experience. From stand-up pizza slices to sit-down and quaff oysters and cocktails. My picks are Senor Ceviche for a fresh hit of Peruvian cuisine all washed down with a punchy pisco sour. Or try Labab on the top floor, run by Michelin-starred maestros making art out of the humble kebab. High fashion at Dover Street Market. Now, are you ready for this fashion jelly? Let's go to Dover Street Market in Haymarket, just off Piccadilly. Dover Street Market isn't an actual market, but it might just be the coolest concept store on the planet. And certainly one that every fashionista heading to the capital needs to know about. Based on an ethos of beautiful chaos, DSM was developed by Rai Kawakubo and her husband, Comme de Garçon President Adrian Joff. For two decades, Dover Street Market has managed to disrupt and blur the lines between fashion, design and art, which is something London in general is also pretty good at. The first Dover Street Market opened in 2004 on Dover Street in Mayfair. But in March 2016, the original store relocated to the former Burberry building, which was erected in 1912 by Thomas Burberry on Haymarket in South Piccadilly. Get ready to enter Fashion Fantasia. Six jaw-dropping floors of futuristic, installation-like spaces, pop-up shops, art, and of course, the biggest new and old-school names in fashion and streetwear. High fashion mingles with mega-mass brands like Nike and the North Face. Come here for Valenciaga or Burberry, the Raff Simmons, Bamford, Fendi, Victoria Beckham, Solange, and Brit milliner Stephen Jones. Dover Street Market is the ultimate dressing-up box. Kanye West's exclusive Dover Street Market collab with French ready-to-wear brand APC got snapped up as soon as it hit the shelves, while Prada designs special pieces exclusively for Dover Street Market. This is fashion at its finest and most unpredictable. If your credit card can't compete, Head up to the top floor's Rose Bakery and console yourself with the cafe's excellent mango and ricotta cheesecake. Hi, everyone. Circa is recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. Portobello Market, from Hukachur to How to Haggle.
In the last 30 years, Portobello Market has gradually transformed into one of London's most stylish fashion postcodes. Here, you're going to encounter world-class vintage and quite possibly find yourself rubbing shoulders with big-name celebrities, fashion editors and wardrobe set designers, all looking for that next incredible piece for their blockbuster film or their fashion shoot. The thing is, though, Portobello wasn't always this in vogue. It used to operate as every other market did in London during the 1800s, selling fresh food and essentials. Then the 40s saw the arrival of rag and bone men, basically guys who would find old disused household items and sell them on to other merchants or traders. By the 60s, Notting Hill had earned a reputation as the antiques neighbourhood in London. Vintage clothing sellers followed suit. The antiques part of Portobello is a casual 15-minute stroll from Elgin Crescent to Chepstow Villas. Both streets offer an elegant architectural snapshot of this postcode. Jennifer Lawrence, Harry Styles and Lindsay Lohan have all called this neighbourhood home. One look at the stucco-fronted residences, landscape communal gardens and grand terraces and you'll quickly understand why. Once inside the hood, make a beeline for the pastel-coloured Georgian townhouses of Portobello Road. A short five-minute saunter from Notting Hill or Labrook Grove Tube. It's one of the most Instagram streets in the capital, and for good reason. You'll be spoilt for choice with 12 antiques arcades, each with individual dealer booths that are packed with eclectic historical gems. The booths are only open on weekends, though. En route to Portobello, keep your eyes peeled for a Banksy original, The Painter. The work depicts an artist, thought to be the Spanish painter Velázquez, who is holding an easel and brush and painting Banksy's name in red. It's been on the corner of Portobello Road since 2008 and remains one of Banksy's oldest intact original murals. As you stroll along the pastel terraced townhouses of Portobello, you'll be entering antique heaven. A medley of ground floor shops and arcades, plus the odd cute cafe serving pots of tea and squishy homemade cakes. Here's where you'll find old war memorabilia, bronze trinkets, vintage costume jewelry, old hand-painted maps, intricate door knockers, and beautiful carved children's toys. What's your hand luggage allowance again? Here's some must-remember West London haggling principles to bear in mind. 1. If you learn the price from the seller, start by saying, oh, I like it, but it's too much. You've put the ball in the seller's court. Then let them make a different offer. 2. To avoid buyer's remorse, figure out what you actually want to pay before you verbalise it. 3. Consider the hassle of packing it in your case or paying for shipping. Clear this all with the seller up front. 4. Stick to your price and be prepared to walk away if you don't manage to haggle it down to your number. 5. In my experience, the seller's final price will be the one that they yell as you leave the shop. So be patient and wear your poker face. And look, if you really love it and you can afford it and you're not doing this for a living every day, then I say splurge. Out of all the antique lots in this wonderful road, here's my pick. 
Judy Fox Antiques for amazing English Victorian and Edwardian furniture and 19th century French furniture. The Portobello Antique Store for beautiful silverware, detailed cutlery, jewellery and tea sets. Alice's at number 86 for an eclectic assortment of antiques and vintage furnishings, china, curiosities and perfectly preserved vintage kids' toys. Now, this area is obviously far more than its antiques. It's a place of rich cultural heritage and has a thriving Caribbean community, which goes back to a wave of immigration in London in the late 40s. In 1948, 1,027 people from the British Caribbean islands came over on a repurposed German cruise liner called the Empire Windrush, which docked at Tilbury Docks downriver from London in Essex. They'd boarded the ship after being invited by Britain to come and help rebuild the country after the Second World War and became known as the Windrush Generation. Now, this same neighbourhood helps to put on the second biggest carnival in the world after Rio de Janeiro. Every August bank holiday since the mid-60s, the quaint antiques-filled streets of this posh postcode transform with the sounds of calypso, ska, house and reggae. Jerk chicken stalls sizzle on the pavement and thousands of people flock with bottles of rum in their hands for the elaborate-themed floats, hundreds of steel pan drummers, mass bands, which is an abbreviation for masquerade costumes, and 40 gigantic pulsing sound systems. The carnival is a huge celebration of British black culture and stands for cultural unity. My tip is to go on a Friday when all the locals come out of their houses to dance in the street. The atmosphere is electric, but with less crowds than in the following days. Also, carnival devotes one day to more family-centric events and performances. But check the lineup as this day does change each year. Aside from antiques, every Saturday the stretch down from Portobello Road into Labrook Grove features 1,500 pop-up fashion stalls where you'll also uncover more vintage fashion gold. If you're not here on the weekend, don't worry. Notting Hill's well-renowned for its selection of permanent vintage boutiques too. We're talking big league fashion vintage here, folks, with dents in your credit card to match. We're going to give you our suggestions for where to start, but by all means, explore. First up... Relic. Based on the periphery of Notting Hill on the edge of still grungy Goulburn Road, Relic sits in the shadow of the famed Trellick Tower, a brutalist grade two social housing block designed by Erno Goldfinger. After taking a gaze up at this strangely famous block of flats, step inside Relic's cavernous warehouse space for the opposite, maximum fashion, turned up loud. Stumble on items like a gold Jean-Paul Gaultier bodysuit from 1989 or some Celine steel sandals or a Chanel quilted gold motorcycle belt from a rare hip-hop collection back in 1991. It'll only set you back £1,995. Or maybe you'll mingle with models and movie stars instead. It's that kind of store. Then there's one of a kind. Literally everything here is unique. Between Friday and Sunday, 
Ring the doorbell to enter into an Alice in Wonderland level fashion fantasy, where you'll find ready-to-wear rare vintage by various designers from the 30s all the way up to the year 2000. There's also a by appointment only archive at the back of the shop that's available to collectors, museums, design houses, industry stylists and private clients. If you love vintage, this might just be the holy grail. There's tons more to mention, but I'll save your ears and list them in the notes instead. Let's duck off Portobello Road and head over to Westbourne Grove, which runs from Kensington Park Road in the west to Queensway in the east. It's been described as preposterously fashionable, even though it used to be, like the rest of Notting Hill, a little down at heel, an English slang phrase that means a bit shabby. Today, though, this pricey, easy-on-the-eye street has gone from a bit rough round the edges to full-on posh. In part, the hikes in house prices have been on the cards since the late 90s, when the rom-com Notting Hill came out. Actually, the famous blue door from the film is around the corner at 280 Westbourne Park Road. The original door was sold at auction, though, and the then-owners decided to replace it with a black door that would attract less attention from movie fans. The current owners then painted the door blue again. Westbourne Grove is not a street where you'll find a bargain, but you will find many elegant enclaves, or you can window shop at a safe distance. And of course, Westbourne Grove is almost as appealing for its hipster cafes and eateries if you fancy a splurge of the edible kind. Let's kick off at Cezanne the only flagship store from the brand outside of Paris. Founded in 2013 by Morgan Cesalori, this chic French boutique is on point for continental girly essentials. Think whimsical blouses, huge swishing skirts, chunky leather belts and velvety ankle boots. Swoon over the giant wreaths of fresh flowers that frame the shop's huge windows. While you're here, don't miss a little snoop in Reformation, either. A cult Cali label... This brand is a must with the A-list set. Besides its guilt-free, eco-friendly fashion claim, the label does a roaring trade in designer thigh-skimming minis, sustainable cashmere and denim, swimwear and lingerie. The store's pretty tech-savvy too. You can order different sizes and styles via an iPad and then they'll magically appear in your dressing room for you. For all you bargain hunters, there's two upmarket charity shops in Notting Hill worth mentioning. Charity shops, in case you're unfamiliar, are shops where second-hand goods are sold to raise money for charity, like certain thrift stores in the US. And in this part of town, there's no shortage of pre-loved designer threads to snap up. The first is Farrah, a charity shop just west of Portobello Road on Elgin Crescent. It's known for quality second-hand designer finds and really well-preserved books. Then there's Mary's Living and Giving Shop, also on Elgin Crescent, at number 7. Established by the charity Save the Children in 2009 to upgrade the perception and the content of charity shops, each one is like an affordable treasure trove where you'll find anything from full-length vintage silk kimonos to Yves Saint Laurent vintage skirts for a fraction of their value. Winner! We're pretty well dressed at this point, but being truly fashionable isn't just about what you're wearing. 
Let's start with a little floral therapy at Wild at Heart on the Turquoise Island at 222 Westbourne Grove. Back in the 90s, this now iconic patch was going to be made in some public toilets, but local residents weren't having it. So they campaigned to have architect Piers Gore design a more upmarket alternative. Turquoise Island was born. Award-winning florist Nikki Tibbles won the bid against 70 other retailers to base her flamboyant florals here. And you can also find her designer flowers in Harrods and Liberties, two of the city's top luxe department stores. Speaking of Harrods, this seven-floored, million-metre-squared, blinging building is the third most visited destination in London. Now, don't bother going here for fashion unless you're willing to get in trouble with your bank manager. But let's definitely talk about why you should visit. Let's not forget Harrods. Touting itself as the world's greatest food emporium, Harrods food halls are spread over the entire lower ground floor and carry the best of the best for food lovers. Staggering amounts of fresh produce, salty, just-caught seafood, exotic fruits, a gigantic chocolate hall, French patisserie, in-house butcher, and even a tea tailor who'll customise your own unique blend that you can then reorder from anywhere in the world at any time. Select some hand-caught scallops and lobsters, sourced by the same fisherman who fished for the Queen, obviously. Or take a seat at Caviar House in Prunier, a Grade 2 listed Art Deco island bar. Order some rock oysters, some beluga caviar and a glass of champagne. Then listen out for the bell that chimes hourly to signal that the latest batch of fresh breads and pastries have come out of the oven. Truman Brewery, Petticoat Lane and Brick Lane Markets. If you're not totally spent and you're light on blisters, fancy a little dash out east to some of the city's oldest marketplaces? Great, because here's a side of the city that's filled to the brims with fashion that won't break the bank. Petticoat Lane is actually one of London's oldest original markets. In just 12 minutes by tube from the West End, you'll arrive in Shoreditch. It was established over 400 years ago by the French Huguenots, who sold petticoats and lace from the stalls here. Then, Jewish and Asian immigrants arrived into the area and radically made their mark, especially with the Sunday market, which was created to allow the Jewish communities here to trade after their own day of rest, the Saturday Sabbath. This part of the East End was pretty sketchy in Victorian times. An old saying goes, you can expect someone to steal your petticoat at one end of the market and then sell it back to you at the other end. Also, you'll be walking directly through Jack the Ripper territory. Yep, we're in the neighbourhood of one of London's most infamous serial killers. Nowadays, it's far less dodgy and more hipster coffee and handlebar moustaches. Even so, be vigilant. This continues to be a prime spot for pickpockets. Petticoat Lane backs onto Brick Lane, perhaps Shoreditch's most famous road to wander down. This part of London has gone through a fair few fashion facelifts in the last 100 years. 
The Petticoat Lane Market is actually located on Wentworth Street most weekdays, but on the weekend it spreads out much further in every direction. Your best bet is just to start walking. Expect to find all kinds of knickknacks, leather goods, watches, electronic goods and vintage cameras. Brick Lane Market, on the other hand, is best on Sundays. It's known on every global foodie's radar as literally the best place to eat Bangladeshi food in London, and arguably Europe, thanks to the large Bangladeshi community that resides here. But we're not here primarily for the food. We're here to shop. Let's stroll down Brick Lane, which, by the way, isn't actually one lane. It's a series of interconnected covered flea markets and streets. To really soak up the vibe here, come on weekends, you'll be able to sift through the greatest variety of vintage and retro clothing, magazines, second-hand furniture, old antique telephones, and other pre-loved bits of junk you never knew you needed. The Truman Brewery anchors this neighbourhood. You can't miss it. It's a large Victorian warehouse that plays host to the weekly Sunday upmarket, the backyard market, the boiler house food hall, and the tea rooms, for when all that vintage rummaging gets too much and a slice of cake and a cup calls you. The Truman Brewery itself is something of an East End institution since it opened in 1666. It used to be a beer brewery that supplied ales to pubs all through the East End. Today, though, it's a covered event space with brilliant bargain vintage shopping. If you're visiting the brewery on the weekend, the backyard market's a must. Comprised of East London's large creative community of young artists and designers, there's no shortage of unique hand-stitch arts, crafts, knits and fabrics here. The atmosphere as you walk around is buzzing, and designers will happily stop to chat and walk you through their creations personally. After you've checked out the fabrics and clothes on offer, let your nostrils lead you into the upmarket. Drawl over 40 different street food traders, or cut to the chase with a Korean daikochi skewer or some Ethiopian injera bread. There's also a ton of artisanal producers offering up pickles, preserves and zingy juices to keep your energy levels on point. If you're shopping for edible souvenirs, this is a great market to find unique only-in-England type gifts. Back outside the brewery complex, there's definitely no shortage of brilliant vintage venues to snap up something special. Hereafter is a great place to start. Located at the top of Brick Lane next to the lane's world-famous bagel shop. Really, the salt beef here is epic. Inside, you'll be treated to anything from fluorescent Moschino jeans to ripped-up Levi's and maybe the odd patchwork jumper or two. It's only open Thursday to Sunday. If you're in need of a little thirst quenching in between all the thrift store finds, let's take a pit stop for a pint in the Golden Heart. This is a proper East End boozer run by Sandra Esquilant. Sandra just so happens to be mates with British contemporary artist Tracy Emin, so expect to see a few of Emin's signature neon signs floating about, as well as a typically arty Shoreditch crowd necking pints of Adnam's Ale on draft. Now, if you believe everything that Vogue says, I may have saved the best fashion street in the world for last. Redchurch Street. In the 1880s, Redchurch Street was officially London's worst slum. 
Here you'd find hundreds of cabinet makers, chair makers and woodcutters all crammed into a tiny grid of streets alongside the thousands of poverty-stricken Londoners who also called it home. But the plight of the poor eventually led to the slum being destroyed, then replaced with London's first planned social housing area. None of this feels plausible when you cruise down Redchurch Street today because everything is so damn cool. Let's go to UJNG, a luxury designer emporium and contemporary interior store. It's got an air of stark catwalk runway minimalism to it, and it's packed with utilitarian styles from rising star designers from all over the globe. Don't worry, though. Despite all the brutal minimalism, staff are as lovely and warm as they come. Next pick is Folk at number 45, an elegant London-born clothing line made by designers who are obsessed with the details. It's also high-end but still semi-affordable, with jumpsuits starting from £235 and cashmere coats setting you back about 550 Finally, for some ethereal fancy fashion, visit the whimsical designs of Dragana Perisic and number 51. The designer hand-makes everything locally and believes in slowing down the fast cycles of fashion for something more enduring. Perisic's couture line of sparkling, sumptuous gowns is the perfect finale to a day of exploring. And even if you only get to wear her clothes in a grimy old boozer or drinking a pint, as you'll know by now, in London, this is no bad thing at all. Thanks for listening to our London Strut Here episode. Like I said, you could splurge yourself silly here, but there's also a whole argument for window shopping and just enjoying the ambience of what are some of London's most stylish streets and postcodes. No matter when you're heading to London, you'll get instant access to the full guide, plus new episodes on a regular basis when you subscribe to Circa. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or download the Circa app. Maybe you'll want to sample our guides for Rome, LA, New York, Mexico City, and many more to come. Circa. Love the world you live in and we'll help you explore it.